right, well, good morning. Come on, who's excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Make a little bit of noise, You're excited to be here. Man, it is always exciting to be with our family and worship together. Thank you so much for coming, hanging out with us. If this is your first time, first time in a long time, welcome to Barrel Life Church. I wanna welcome everybody online and all of our campuses at as well. We're so glad that you decided to come and hang out with us. We're finishing a series today on marriage. And so if you're here today and you're in any type of relationship and you either plan on getting married or if you are married or if you're single again and you're, you plan on getting married, whatever you find yourself in, I, I believe that this series would have spoken to you. In fact, last night was so amazing. We had our dancing with our spouse night. I'm telling you, dude, it was so much fun. You realize that men just don't follow in instructions because we think we got it, you know, we, and ladies, you are so good at following instructions, but we, we had a big line from wall to wall, and we had professional instructors come in and teach us how to do some dancing with their spouse, and it was so good. I've been trying to get my wife to dance for 25 years, y'all, 25 years, and I figured out the secret. I figured out the secret. Tell her you come to church, get her to church, and then she dances at church. I mean, come on, like, like I really, I get her to church, and now she finally will, will dance with me. But anyway, we had a blast, and we're looking forward to doing that again, because we want to have some fun with our marriages. This is a year that we want to pour into our marriages. And so if you were single, uh, on week one we talked about, I asked four questions you to ask before you get married. If you missed that, please go back and watch that. Last week we talked about, okay, you're happily ever before, right? You gotta be happily ever before before you have a happily ever after fairy tale you know, life that everybody wants. And then we talk about happily ever now. So what is the meaning of marriage? What is marriage? Like tr truly what is marriage? It's not a contract, it's a covenant. And so I wanna encourage you to go back and check that out because we talked about some of the roles when it comes to marriage. And today we're gonna finish this with how do you have that happily ever after? Like how do you have that fairy tale, you know, ending or life that you've always wanted or that you've always dreamed of even before you got married? So if you are planning on ever getting married, this is for you. If you are married, this is for you because today we're gonna really focus on some things that matter. Now, listen, I, I've been married almost 24 years this year, and so we have four kids. You know, we, we've, we've planted a church, we've, we've moved, we've done things, we've done everything that normal life will do. As a pastor, I've had so many people come to be counseled and talked about over the several years in ministry. And so I, what I've done is I've put together here some of the top things that matter when it comes to marriage. And so this is a really note-taking one. If you wanna take notes, I'm telling you, if you're single, you, you wanna make sure you get these things right in the midst of preparing for marriage but these are some things that as a, if we had a counseling session, if I would say, or if you sit down and talk to me, uh, whether you're married or plan on getting married, these are some things that always come up. These are some things that if you will begin to work on, I'm telling you, you could have the marriage you've always dreamed of. I really believe that. I don't believe there's any marriage that's too far gone. I don't care what's happened in the relationship. If God can resurrect his son from the dead, he can resurrect your marriage from the dead. Can I get amen? I believe that. And so if you decide to like, we're gonna work on this and we're not gonna fight with each other, we're gonna fight for each other, I really believe that you can really have the marriage that you've always dreamed of and that God wants for you. And so here's some things I'm gonna walk through that matters when it comes to marriage, when it comes to your relationship uh, of, of pursuing marriage or getting married. Number one is this, pursuing Jesus matters. Now this one fixes the majority of everything. Pursuing Jesus matters. 
And usually, typically, if you, if you start out, you know, you're, you're walking with Jesus and you get married and then life begins to happen, kids begin to come on the scene and all these extracurricular activities and you kind of just put your Bible to the side and you think you take your wife and your spouse for granted and then you, now they just become a roommate in your life and, you know, you're kind of doing life but you're really not just, not like it used to be. I'm telling you what, pursuing Jesus matters. In fact, this is probably the biggest problem with most marriages. And for, in fact, if you're single, this is the number one thing you need to be doing. Instead of pursuing someone else, pursue Jesus. Walk with Jesus. Because when you have two people who are growing closer to Jesus, I promise you, they will be growing closer together. And so we need to figure out what's it gonna take to really go after Jesus and pursue him. He says in John 8, verse 12, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said this, I'm the light of the world. If you, you see that word if? That's a condition. If is a choice. I didn't ask you, are you, being, are you a Christian? I say, are you following Jesus? If is a choice. Look what it says. If you follow me, if you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. And I'm just gonna be really honest with you. And a lot of people hide it really well. But a lot of people in, who are married right now are walking in darkness. Now, none of my walk in sin darkness. It's just their marriage is darkness. There's something wrong. There's a fog over it. Something's not right. And he said, if you follow me, watch this, because I have, am the light, this light leads to life. We wanna say an abundant life, a full life. Here, we say a better life than you ever dreamed of. And so Jesus says, I'm the light to your relationships. I'm the light to your life. And if you will follow after me, I will illuminate your path. I will illuminate your life. And I will lead you in the path of everlasting. And so for us, if we will begin to pursue Jesus and follow after Jesus, and I know some of you ladies, it uses the ladies. It's used to ladies. You come and you'll talk to me and say something. My husband's not a follower of Jesus or my husband's not a Christian. What do I do? Listen to me. You follow Jesus. You pursue Jesus. Because Peter talks about, about him seeing Christ in you. When he begins to see Christ in you, it begins to use to transform and change his heart. You follow Jesus. Last week, I made a challenge to the men that it starts with us, especially in our house, that we need to pursue Jesus. You show me a dad or a husband that's pursuing Jesus, and I will show you a whole family that's running after Jesus. And guys, listen, it starts with us to pursue after him, to seek him, to follow him, to become like him. So the number one thing, if you're gonna come, he's like, we're gonna get marriage counseling, or we're gonna really work on our marriage, or our marriage is kinda stagnant, I'm gonna ask you, are you both pursuing Jesus? And technically, usually what happens, neither one of them are. They kind of, well, I'm a Christian, I'm saved, I go to church, but they're really not following after Jesus. I didn't ask you if you're a Christian, I saw you following Jesus. And this right here was probably the biggest thing that happens, uh, begins to fall apart in your marriage. I love when I talked about becoming more like him because in Galatians 5, 22, here's, here's what that looks like. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Why? Because it's an inside job. It's an inside. We talked about this January. It comes from the inside out. Look. Here's what it says. If I'm walking in the spirit, if I'm becoming more like Jesus, look what happens in my life. Then I'm gonna be a little bit more loving. Do you see that? A little bit more loving. Let me ask you. Are you more loving today than you were 12 months ago? Are you more loving today than you were a month ago? Can you see you progressing and walking in this? 
That's why we really wanna focus on marriages this year. That's why we wanna have some fun night, like dance night and parents night out. We got some other game nights. We got some crazy things planned for married couples. We wanna have fun, but next month, we have a serious kind of like a workshop. We're gonna work on our marriages. We're gonna come face to face and we're gonna ask some questions, some tough questions. We're gonna ask some good things. We're gonna work on our marriage next month. We have a big marriage night. You don't wanna miss it. And then we're gonna have some fun again. Why? Because we want you to look back and go, guess what, I'm growing. I'm a little bit more loving. Look, do you have a little bit more joy? Are you a little bit, have a little bit more peace in your life? Here's a big one. Are you a little bit more patient with your spouse and growing? Do you have a little bit more kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control? Watch this. These are pictures that you are following Jesus and you're walking in the spirit. Now, I will be honest with you. If your wife slams the cabinet doors, that's probably not a, not a good idea to quote this and go, honey, are you walking in the spirit? Like, trust me, bro, you don't wanna do that. Like, please do not do that because you're gonna get jack slapped. You know what I'm saying? Like, like don't, don't, don't ask your spouse that. It, it, like, when they start slamming the door, you heard Pastor Daniel, you're not having self-controlled. No, please do not, do not do that. All right, but listen to me. Here's what I'm trying to say. I can't judge people's heart, but I can look at your fruit. Because what's in my heart's gonna come out. And if there's anger or bitterness or rage or resentment or impatience or not being gentle and not being good and I'm always screaming, I'm always yelling at each other, I'm always fighting with each other, listen to me. That's a sign of what's in my heart because it's an inside job. So every day of your life, you can grow in your spirit, you can grow in your faith by walking with Jesus. And watch this, watch this, watch this. If we just stopped right here and said we're done for the day and go eat Chinese, come on. Right, like if we just stopped right here, watch this. If your marriage right now was a little bit more loving, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, right now, if that was instantly happening, both of you, right now, what would your marriage look like? What would your family look like? What would your kids get to see mom and dad and how they act? That you get to be a role model and display because I promise you, the role models they have out there in the world and they're seeing all over the place is not a good role model. And it should be shown at home. That right there alone, if you both were to pursue Jesus and produce the fruit of the Spirit in your life, watch this, I guarantee would fix the majority of your problems. And so we have to work on this. Here's the second thing, because without pursuing Jesus, this is gonna be the difficult one. This is a big one I see, forgiveness matters. Forgiveness matters. Let me tell you something about your spouse. They're gonna hurt you. They're sinful, you're sinful, you got two sinful people who've been saved by grace, who still has a sinful nature, even though they've been saved by grace, who have become one under the same, same household fighting over the remote. <laughs> you, listen, you're gonna, you're gonna hurt them. Some of you done it intentionally. Some of it's unintentional. And you'll work this out and you have to fear that. But forgiveness is huge. Listen to Ephesians 4, Paul says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slanders, as well as all types of evil behavior. That's a good place to start, right, in a relationship. Let's get rid of that stuff. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted. Watch this, forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Had a lady come up to me. I was just a young pastor. I've been senior pastor now for 18 years, and, and I was pastoring this little old country church, and here I'm in this 26-year-old pastor of this church, and this lady comes to me, you know, and, and they don't teach you that stuff in seminary, and I didn't know all these answers of every single thing, and I still don't know all the answers to all these theological questions that people ask, and she came up to me, she goes, Pastor, I'm having a hard time forgiving someone. I said, well, just forgive them. 
And she kept coming back, coming back, coming back to me saying, you know, and she was struggling with this unforgiveness, this unforgiveness, unforgiveness. I said, okay. And, and finally, I just, I'm just like this young, I was like, well, who is this person? Like, what do they do? And, and she didn't want to get into the details of what was happening. I said, okay, well, have you just call them up? She goes, I can't, I can't call them. I said, well, then how are you going to tell them? She goes, because they're dead. I said, oh gosh, they don't teach you this in seminary. Like this one, like, what do you do? How do you forgive dead people? Like, I mean, that's, you're not gonna find that in the back of your concordance. Like, how to forgive dead people? Like, it, it's not gonna be, and I'm like, uh, oh my gosh, what do I say? What do I say? What do I do? And finally, she just kept on me. I said, listen, is he buried here locally? And she said, yes. I said, go to his grave, stand at the grave, look at the grave, and say, I forgive you. Like, I, that's not like a biblical mandate. Like, I, I didn't know what to tell her that. And again, I didn't understand all this, how this worked, but here's what I've come to realize. Forgiveness is not for them, forgiveness is for you. Because what you do is you hold a debt. Unforgiveness is a debt that can never be repaid. They can never go back and unwrong what was wrong. They can never go back and undo what was hurt, the pain, the scar, what they've done to you. And so what happens is, here's what happens to married couples, we hold an unforgiveness debt over their head that they can never repay. And the reason why you will not let go of this debt over them ahead, because if you let go, you think they win. Holding on to unforgiveness protects you. I'm never gonna let you hurt me again. So there you go, I'm gonna throw it back in your face. Remember when you did this? Remember when you said this? Remember when this happened? And you will hold a debt over someone's head that they can never, ever, ever repay. They can try to make it up, they can say they're sorry, they can show you their new actions, and you still wanna hold unforgiveness over their head because it protects you, but here's the reality, it hurts you. And if you don't forgive them, you will grow and you become an old, bitter, bitter person and you're gonna die a lonely life because no one wants to be around an angry, bitter person. So what does Paul say? You know what Jesus did for you? You have a debt over your head that you could never repay. You can never be good enough to earn your way to heaven. You can never come to church enough. You can't read enough. You can't pray enough. You have a debt over your head that you can never, ever, ever repay. And God knew that. So you know what he did? He come to cancel your debt. He sent his son who died on the cross, put in a grave, three days later got up, and whoever would put their faith and trust in him, guess what he does? He will cancel your debt and remove your sins as far as to the east as to the west. So you remember when someone hurt you and wronged you and you cannot forgive them, you just step back for a moment and go, oh my gosh, look at all the sin that God has forgiven me. How can I not forgive someone of this debt when God's forgiven me of all of my debt? And this is the problem, what happens, pain comes in, you come in for counseling, you sit down, it's because you've been hurt, there's a wrong, and you're mad, and you're angry, and listen, and it hurts. I'm not making a lot of your situation. But there will come a point, and you can choose to do that right now. People say, well, someday I'll forgive them. You don't have to wait until someday. You can do that right now. Before you leave this auditorium today or where you watch online, whoever's hurt you or wronged you, I don't care if they're 3,000 miles away, you can, in your heart right now, choose to forgive them. Because forgiveness is not for them. It's for you. It's for you. So forgiveness matters. This is amazing. Peter comes up to Jesus in Matthew 18. Look what he says. He says, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? And Peter gets really generous here. Look what he says, seven times? Now, why would he say that? Because if we don't know the background, so here's the background, here's the context. In the Jewish customs, you can forgive somebody three times, but if they wrong you the fourth time, you'll, you'll hold a grudge for the rest of your life. That was the Jewish custom. So 
Peter goes, Jesus, Jesus, your boy Peter, man, you know, I've been, I've been following your teaching. I'm gonna be like double generous right here. So can I, just, if I can forgive somebody like seven times, is that like pretty whole? Is that complete? Is that good enough? And look at what Jesus says. No, I, not, I don't say seven times. I say 70 times seven. And I could probably see Peter going, they didn't teach us this in class, in math class, in Hebrew school, you know, like, like oh my gosh, like, how, how do you do this? And he goes, so that's 490 times. Yeah, what is he trying to say? And forgiveness has no limits. The forgiveness has no limits. Like you are to forgive people over and over and over when they hurt you, when they wrong you. And that honestly, if you think about it, marriage is a beautiful picture of the gospel. Two people who become one. How do you love someone when they're unlovable and you've made a covenant commitment to them? Jesus yet loved us while we were still yet sinners. He's made a covenant relationship with us. Even when we turn our back on him and, and faithless, he is still faithful. Even when you and I are unlovable, he still loves us. Even when we blow it, he still forgives us. And marriage is a beautiful picture of the groom, which is Jesus, the bride, which is Christ, who've become one, and they love each other, and even when we are unlovable, he still loves us. And so marriage is a beautiful picture of the gospel. Here's a third one, this one's a big one because this is usually where most people fall here, is communication matters. This one kinda, and I don't mean to make a lot of this one, but this one kinda, it's funny because people come in and they'll say, well, we're just not communicating. And I will like, oh yes you are. You know, they'll sit there like this, we're just not talking, like we're just not communicating. And, and they'll sit like, I'll say, yeah you are, yeah you are, yeah you are. Look ma'am, your arms are crossed. Look at your facial expressions. Look at your tone. Sir, you got your back to your wife. Oh, everything communicates. You can communicate without using words. And so everything communicates. You are communicating, you're just not communicating the right thing. So if you're sitting here saying, well, we just don't talk, well, communication is more than talking. It don't take just a second. You can be around someone and you can watch and you can see their body language. You can see how they interact. I love doing that. I love just watching people. It's kind of crazy, but it's just like, I, could, I just love watching how they interact and I just love this, just watching people. And you can tell like how they interact. You can see it. And it has nothing to do with communication from words. It's their body language. It's how they look at each other. And some of you know that, right? Like after being married for 24 years, this coming August, being married for 24 years, I can look at my wife and I can tell you what she is communicating. And she can look at me just like this. She can look at me and smile. And here's what's going on in her head. And I already know her. You said we're gonna leave at 6 p.m. It is now 6.38 p.m. And you're lasting way longer than you thought. You're a talker. You need to stop talking, get off the coffee, and let's go home. You said we were gonna go home. I've gotta get the kids to bed. I gotta get Sadie to bed. I gotta make sure the dogs walk and everybody out. You even got your clothes out today. I have to iron them for you. And I can look at her and she can smile and I can read her. So quickly, I got to start going, uh, um, yo, well, we got a big day tomorrow, and I got to peace out, I got to go, you know, I, you're right, you know this, you're laughing, because ladies, you're really good at communicating without saying nothing. So we can read each other, communication is huge. Your tone, your body language, facial expression, I love this, and here's what you gotta understand, but especially when it comes to words, Proverbs 8.21, the tongue can bring death or bring life. Watch this, watch this. Do you know the words that come out of your mouth has the power to destroy your marriage or build your marriage? 
Watch this, watch this. Just by the words that come out of your mouth. Because you know how powerful your words are. And some of you personally take shots and jab at each other just because you know what irks them. Let me tell you what that's called. Sin. And we wanna get this out of our life, right? We don't want this. And you're like, will you hurt me? when I'm gonna bring back stuff and I'm gonna say, because I know this is gonna irk you. And you just keep, nah, uh, 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 uh. And that's what's coming. It comes from pride, which in our heart, which is sin. My words can either build my marriage to be the everlasting marriage I've always wanted or it can destroy it just by what comes out of my mouth. That's how powerful your words are. Proverbs 12, 18, it says, some people make cutting remarks. We won't, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Some people make cutting remarks, but watch this, but the word of the wise bring healing. See how powerful your words are? James says this in James 1:19. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, watch this, and slow to get angry. But that's usually what happens. The first thing that happens, we get angry. And then we shut down, slam cabinets, we scream, we yell, whatever, before we have a rational conversation around maybe a misunderstanding, but because you're on edge, you blow up. And then you blame it on, oh, I just got a temper issue. No, you got a heart issue. Because it comes from the inside out. Communication matters. And one thing we wanna do at our marriage nights, one thing we wanna do for married couples watch is, is get you talking and communicating. We have some questions you're probably not even asking yourselves. We wanna give you things to take on your date night with you and say, here's some things, let's talk about this. Let's have, listen to me, bro. We're doing everything we can, but open your mouth and saying the words for you, okay? We are helping you out, sir. We're gonna help you. Why we want you to win, and this is a big one. Most people don't talk about stuff. Because what happens when something really bad happens, now they start talking and here's what happens. They come and say, I wish we would have talked about this years ago. My friend who was a divorce attorney for 18 years, who walked away from his practice and now he's doing grace marriage and marriage stuff all over the state of Kentucky and now all over the country. Here's what he found out when it came to divorce attorney because he was a divorce attorney. Here's what he found out. He said it takes six years for people to have problems before they ever reach out to get help. So when you come for help, you've already been struggling for six years. Why do we wait so long? Why do we wait so long? And so let's, 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 let's work on this. Let's be everything that God wants to, and it comes from communication. So I started doing some research. What are the top arguments? I thought about my own. What are the top arguments that me and my wife may have? What are the top arguments that people come and talk to me that they argue about? What are some, so I started researching, what are some of the top arguments? Here's some of them, communication issues. We talked about that. That's one of the top arguments. They just don't know how to communicate or they're communicating poorly or they're not communicating the right thing. Financial issues is a big thing that people fight with and struggle with. Household chores, anybody struggle with household chores? Anybody fight over household chores? Okay, okay, nobody does, I'm the only one. Okay, household chores. Um, intimacy and sex, that's another one, top argument. Parenting disagreements. We never struggle with this one. Because I'm always saying no, my wife always says yes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that is not true. My wife was, she's like, she's like, you got to help me. You got to get them. I'm like, okay, okay, hold on, it's almost over. It's almost over. <laughs> like guys, right? Dad's like, hey kids, listen to your mom. <laughs> like, we like outsource that. Like, because when dad says it, then everybody wants to do it, right? Like parenting disagreements. I mean, we can laugh about it, but that's reality, right? We got to figure that out. If you're going to have kids, you need to talk about this. You got to work these things. Parent, different values and goals. Hopefully you figure that out before you got married, because love will blind you and you have no idea what the purpose and goals is. I talked about that in week one. If you're single or single again, you need to go back and check that out. And then jealous and trust issues. 
I mean, for instance, if your spouse won't give you the passcode to their phone, that's a huge, big red flag. If, you're, if your spouse says, take me off Live 360, I don't want you to follow me, big, big red flag. Trust issues. Something's wrong there. You have become one. You have to hide stuff from your husband, big, big, big red flag. And here's what happens. Oh, that's just so silly. That's so small. That's no big deal. No, 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 no. It's little things like that that you give the enemy a foothold and the devil will make it a stronghold and then one day you're sitting here going, I can't believe this happened to me. Trust issues. And so we could talk through some of those and we have, but I'm gonna pick two of these real quick in the last little time that we talk about because these are the two biggest fights um, that I've researched and come up with when it comes to uh, arguments in a family when it comes to marriage, right? We wanna have the happily ever after. So if we pursue Jesus, we communicate, we forgive each other, you're way ahead of the game. I mean, really, you are way ahead of the game right there. But these are the two other big ones. If we, we could do a parenting series, talk about parenting, we could talk about trust issues because that's, that's when things happen and usually something happens for that to take place. We could talk about those, but here's the other two I wanna talk about. Number one, number four, no, number one. <laughs> number four, like, no, not another whole sermon. No, no, number four is money matters. This one's a big one. It's the third biggest thing you fight about, and it's listed as one of the top number one reasons for divorce. It's the third biggest thing people argue about and fight about, and it's listed as one of the top number one things for divorce. It's leading that. And so you've got to figure this out and talk about this. If you're hiding things from each other, that's a big red flag. You need to expose that, bring it to the light. Let's talk about why do you feel that way? Why can't you do that? If there's a disagreement over money, should we charge, should we pay off? Well, if only I can make the minimum payment, oh, well, there we go. Okay, there's some issue. Like, if we can work this out, because especially young people, and you're like, okay, there's no big deal. I don't have no money, don't think about money, woo -hoo. Yeah, but you're in debt $60,000 with your student loan. And you have no idea when you come to marriage, you're bringing $60,000 in debt, he's bringing $60,000 in debt, which is the average. Now you're $120,000 in debt and you're wondering why there's stress and strain on your marriage. I'm all about investing in yourself. I'm not, I had student loan debt. I paid it off, so I'm, I'm not saying it. But you can't get out of that. It will follow you to the day you die. You can't even file bankruptcy and get out of your student loan debt. And so it's with you. You've got to understand how this works. You need to talk about these things and work on it. If you're a spender, 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 you gotta work on it. If you're ultra, ultra, like you hoard, you gotta work on it. There's a difference. You've got to talk. And usually spenders marry people who are savers. I got an amen over here. That is crazy. Like Jesus is Lord, nobody says nothing. Spenders versus savers, preach it, bro, preach it. Like, okay. <laughs> Right, that's usually what happens. Well, you have to talk about this. That's communication. You gotta get on the same page. So when I, when I, when I graduated from college, I was making $6 an hour. My wife was making way more than me. And so she made way more money than me. I was making $6 an hour. I had $14,500 in student loans. We were living with our in-laws. We were saving up to buy a place. And we saved every penny we can. And we finally, we, we bought a mobile home. We lived in this 16 by 60 mobile home. And we, we bought it and we put it there on the farm. And now we're two years into marriage. And my, we talk about having kids soon. And so she looked at me. She goes, she goes, you know, when we have kids, I would like to stay at home. I'd like to be a stay-at-home mom. I said, okay. Well, if you're gonna be a stay-at-home mom, man, that, that's, woo, daddy gotta get to work. You know, like, I, I gotta figure out how, to, how, how we're gonna feed these suckers. These gremlins, man, they're gonna eat you out of the house. Like, how's this gonna work, okay? And, and you're making three times as much as I'm making. You're making way more than I'm making. And so we gotta figure out how we're gonna live on one income. How does that work? And I, I had to figure that out. And you gotta understand, my wife has an MBA. She has a rank one. She's gonna make, make way more than me. You know, so I gotta figure how this is gonna work. And so we planned. We started putting one whole salary back, putting all salary, all of her stuff back, put it back, put it back, lived on a budget, tried to, you 
you know, manage our money well and, and, and make these things happen. And, and now we, we have child number two come and she's still staying at home and I'm making $14,500 as a senior pastor. That was my taxable income that year when my second son was born. And so I said, okay, you don't work. We gotta figure this out. Let's make it happen. So she works. That's a, that's a horrible saying to say to a stay-at-home mom. You don't work. <laughs> oh yeah, they do. And so I was like, okay, figure this out. But guess what? We talked about it. We planned it. We made it work. We had to say no to some things because we want to say yes to the best things. And we had to figure those things out. That, listen, you have to talk about those things. You have to figure out how do you communicate and work and get on the same page. And that comes a lot of adjustments. Because everybody comes from a different family, different upbringing, different background. And so how we've chose to learn to do this and win with our money and to win when money matters because you gotta figure out that you gotta talk about it. You gotta make sure you're on the same page. You gotta make sure that you're communicating well. You gotta make sure that you're talking through these stuff. You have to make sure of this. And so for that to happen, here's some things you need to do. Number one, real quick, if you're gonna win with the money, I'm just gonna be honest with you, this is the Lucas, how we've done it in our family, but we see it prescribed in scripture. When I say prescribed, that means commanded. It's not described how to do your money, it's prescribed, which is commands. Here's the first one, you tithe it, you bring it. So from day one, you're like, well, I'm making $14,500, I got a family, two kids and a wife that stays at home. How? You bring it, because you can't outgive God. God, I trust you. It's, I, these kids are yours, we dedicate them. This, my family is yours, so we trust you. So I'm gonna bring to you what's yours. So we take 10% of our income and we give it to the Lord, we bring it back to him. It belongs to him. And then we sit here and, and we, when we do that, now we direct it. We direct our funds. Well, what do you mean by direct it? Well, we save it, we invest it, and then we repay it, any debt we have. We've been married 24 years in August, right? Correct me, right? 24 years. We've never carried a balance on a credit card and we charge every single month. Everything we have comes on a credit card. Now, some of you like Dave Ramsey, cut up your credit card, anti-credit card, cool. We, we pay it off every month. If we don't, we don't spend it unless we have it. We don't swipe it unless we can pay for it. Every month, for 24 years, paid off at the end of the month. It houses the categories, we can see it, it's just the way we win. And we repay it every single time. If there's a debt, we repay it. So we direct it where it goes, and then watch this, we enjoy it. We make sure we live enough out. We're not one of the person, let's hurry and pay off the debt as fast as we can, that's cool, but we wanna live now. We want to enjoy it now. So if we're not robbing God, we're saving, we're investing, we're paying our debts back, and we're gonna purposely put some back so we can enjoy it so we can do something with it. We can take our family for it. Because I don't wanna hoard everything and pay it off and then Jesus come back today and we didn't just live, which we ain't worry about it then, right? We'll leave all the debt to the devil. And so we'll leave it all for him. And so we're gonna be in glory. We're gonna be with him. But I'm just trying to tell you, you have to sit down and talk about it. And I know that gets tricky because some of you married somebody who's not a Christian and you wanna start tithing and they're like, no, you don't tithe, that's your money. We gotta make sure to make my boat. I got my razor. Now I'm not talking about this razor. I'm talking about your $25,000 razor that you drive. And we gotta make sure you pay for the jet ski and do this. Sometimes you might have to amputate the jet ski. Don't touch my manhood. I know how some of you, I don't know. But listen, right, you wanna honor God. You wanna win with the money. And what you wanna have the happily ever after, you've gotta get your financial house in order. If it's the number one, or not the number one, it's one of the number one reasons for divorce, it's the top three for arguments, fix it. All you have to do is sit down, and I want you to know this. We have trained financial counselors here, completely, uh, um, nobody knows, it's, 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 uh, nobody will figure it out. They have trained counselors who will sit down and say, okay, come on, let's just help you figure out how to do this, how to win. So don't make excuses, because all the tools and resources are out there for that to happen and then just enjoy it. That's just a real quick, but that's what we do, and it works, it's been working, God's honored it, he's blessed it, and honestly, that has freed our marriage up. 
Because I don't think ever, I don't, I, I don't, you correct me if I'm wrong, right here on stage, public in front of everybody, I don't think we have ever in 24 ever argued over money. Because we never had it, so we had to worry about arguing about it. Right? When we started, so like, at, at the time, you know, and, but the Lord's blessed us. Like, I don't think we've ever sat down and argued over anything when it comes to the finance because we're gonna be on the same page of community. We wanna eliminate that. That's an easy thing to talk about. So work that out, work through it. And then lastly, this is the big one, because this is probably money and sex is the two biggest thing that most married couples will end up arguing over. And the, the last point I wanna make here is intimacy matters. Intimacy matters. Like this, this is one thing that really matters. And sometimes we take this for granted. But intimacy matters. You know, there's a test, and I told, said this last, last week. It's called the five love languages. And it's not the gospel. It's not like, you know, it's like the five love languages found in the Bible or none of that stuff. But it's a test. It's completely free. It takes you about five to seven minutes to do it. And what it does, you answer some questions, and it kind of helps you define what your love language is. And you'll, you'll be amazed that people who've been married 30 and 40 years have no idea what their spouse's love language is. And what happens is, I love her. I'm showing her that I love her because you think just by working and providing for her shows that you love her. But that's not her love language. I love him. I help him. I cook for him. I do these things and help him make his day as easy as I can. I try to, oh, you think serving, act of service was his love language. That's not his love language. Thank you. That's great. But that's not communicate to him love. And so it's a great tool. It's easy. Again, it's not the gospel. It's not like it's 100% like right on. But it really helps you. For me, it's right on for me. Let me give them real quick to you real fast. It's words of affirmation, acts of service, physical touch, quality time, receiving gifts. My question to Dr. Gary Chapman, who wrote that, is what happens if you're all five of them? <laughs> like, I'm all five of those, right? Like, what happens if you're all five? And so what happens is you operate out of your love language. So my two top was words of affirmation and physical touch. So my wife knows if she's unloading the dishwasher, she's, got, she's looking at her back. She's like, where's he at? Where's he at? Where's he coming? Because she knows if I'm around, I'm gonna touch her. Like, I just can't get my hands off her. And I think sometimes that she purposely goes on the other side of the counter because she sees me coming, you know? Like, she's like, I'm gonna get away from that fool. Like, like let's go. Like, she's laughing because she knows I'm telling the truth. It's like every time I'm just, I'm just going to, where's she at? Where's she at? And I'm always just, Patting her, touching her. You know, ladies, you're laughing because probably your husband maybe do the same thing and all this stuff. But that's just, and I'm just talking how beautiful you are and how firm and how much I love her and how gorgeous and all this stuff because I'm speaking out of my love language. For the record, she got a zero in my love language. And here's the crazy thing. I got a zero in hers, which is act of service. It don't matter how much I tell her how beautiful she is and touch her. She's cool, awesome, Fold the clothes. <laughs> Take out the garbage. Wrench your plate. Like, oh, okay, I love you too. <laughs> <laughs> Completely opposite, love language. The only way to make that work is talk about it. And put yourself last and put them first and serve one another. Listen, one of the things that really comes to me, and, and, and I don't, I'm trying to be crass, this is keeping it PG-13 or whatever you want to say, but physical intimacy matters. And a lot of times you take that for granted. And I'm gonna be really just typical. Let me just be, you can't say for every single person, right? But ladies, let me tell you something about your husband. 
He knows you love him. He knows you love him. But he wants you to want him. He wants you to desire him. He wants you to pursue him. If you don't believe me, ask him. He just wants to be wanted by you. Not everything that's physical, intimate, always routine, always scheduled, or always initiated by, initiated by the husband, because the man, because he's, he's wired that way. He wants you to want him. He knows you love him. Now let me speak to the men. Typical, Can't, everyone's different. She knows you want her. She knows, if she doesn't, she should. But she wants you to want her, not just her body. She wants to know that you love her. And when it comes to physical intimacy, let me say, say something too about this real quick as to the ladies, is that this is where guys really find his emotional connection. I know it's physical and all this stuff, but emotional. My husband's not, oh yes he is. This is where he finds his emotional connection. He's wired this way. And I know, listen, there's all kinds of things. There could be health issues, medical issues, full of sex drives, or anything, but I understand that. And you have to walk through that and deal with that. Again, everyone has a different situation. But never take for granted that he knows or she knows that you want them and wanna be with them and pursue them. Because I'm here to tell you, intimacy matters. God designed it, it's amazing, it's great, but it matters. And so quit taking each other for granted and begin to pursue each other, watch this, physically as well. And I believe, and I believe, this is me, if you follow Jesus, you forgive each other, you communicate with each other, you begin to plan your budget together, learn to win with your money, because it's one of the top reasons for divorce and arguments, and you pursue out a desire to want each other, because you used to. Because it's amazing, before you get married, the devil's gonna do everything he can to get you in bed with each other. And a 30-minute ceremony and a name change and a ring on your finger, he's gonna do, 30, he's gonna do everything he can to keep you out of the bed with each other. It matters. And if you physically will pursue each other, I believe, I believe, that you will have the marriage you've always dreamed of. So I'm gonna ask you if you would just to bow your heads just for a moment. If you're single and you plan on getting married or single again, I'm telling you, these are some things that you need just to think through and work on. If you're married, you just had a really open but kind of broad marriage counseling session and hopefully you will begin to take this home and talk about this and begin to work through some of these things. And one of the greatest things you could do, obviously, is to pursue Jesus. And so if you're here and you're married and you're not married, it doesn't matter who you are, and you don't know Jesus, I beg you today that you'll give your life to him. We really believe that he's up to something. And then he's moving across our state, and I pray to God that there's a spiritual awakening that happens across this nation that trembles across the world. 
And today you're here because he drawed you here. And so I pray that you would give your life to him. And you could do that by saying, Jesus, I believe. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you got up out of the grave for me. And today, as best as I know how, I repent of my sin. And I give my life to you. Now help me follow you for the rest of my life. And I believe if you did that, the Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And in just a moment, your host or campus pastor, they're gonna come out and they're gonna share with you your next steps. Father, thank you so much for your word. God, thank you so much for what you're doing in our lives, what you're doing in our church, our community, right now in our state, Lord. And God, I pray you'll do something in our marriages. They've been under attack for so long, but we're gonna stop fighting against each other. We're gonna start fighting for each other. And we're gonna win at home. We're gonna build strong families that build strong churches, that build strong communities that change the world. And God, may it start right here with us. I can't wait to see what you're gonna do, Lord. For your name we ask and we pray, amen. Thank you all so much for joining us online today. We hope you enjoyed it. We enjoyed having you. But anyways, guys, man, we are, uh, like I said, just so glad that you were able to join us. And maybe today uh, you're curious about maybe what your next step is on your journey with Jesus. Or maybe today you took your very first step of giving your life to Jesus. And first off, I just wanna say, man, I am so proud of you. And man, God is gonna do something amazing in and through you. But we just wanna celebrate with you. Like I said, whether you're curious what your next step may be, or maybe it was your first step in following Jesus, I wanna encourage you all to go to betterlife.church slash next steps. Let us know just so we can help you on your journey with Jesus and also celebrate with you. But also, if you would like to financially uh, support what God is doing in this region, uh, in your city, in, in your town, or just all over the world, you can go to betterlife.church give, and you can financially support Better Life Ministry and what God is doing here. Also, just like to say, if you have, uh, if you want to stay connected with us throughout the week, you can download the Better Life Church app on any major platform. Stay connected with us. We have scripture there. We have so many things there to connect with you just throughout the week as well. But anyways, guys, thank you all so much for checking us out online today, and we cannot wait to connect with you. See you next week.